0: This This is
1: the Second Second
0: Story Podcast.
1: Welcome back to the Second Story Podcast. I'm Max Spitz. As service-based industries are reopening at full capacity across the country, workers are campaigning for better treatment and living wages. This reckoning has been exposing many of the little ways that workers, especially those in restaurants, have been taken advantage of. Stories about wage theft, abusive management, and dangerous company policies have been permeating the discourse. In this week's story, teller Rick Walker shares one of his own experiences with a disrespectful chef, and how he fought back against one restaurant's toxic environment. Recorded live at Pub 626 in Chicago in June 2019, Second Story is proud to present, Cooked. Beads of
0: anxiety formed on my upper lip and my brow. The sure sign of Nixon-like flop sweat. Jesus, where are the pistachios? They're supposed to be pistachios, dummy. Now, somewhere in the recesses of my mind, I knew there were supposed to be pistachios uh, on, that garnished the lamb, but the duck cells, the slice of green apple, and the dill were the garnishes I remembered. Sorry, chef. Well, get it right, goddammit! The mistakes were coming more often, as many in the last five minutes as the last hour and a half. Don't you know the goddamn menu? I just, I, just, I, just, I guess, Ju can't even make a dumb excuse, huh? I wasn't going to make an excuse, I said under my breath. And I wasn't. I was going to say I didn't realize how specific the garnishes were to the, each dish. In the three months that I had worked at the restaurant, I barely worked the dinner shift. I was going to remind chef that I wasn't a waiter. I was filling in that I was a waiter and I was filling in for the expediter as a favor, taking one for the team. I was frustrated, flustered, and fully flop-sweated, and trying really, really hard to get the plates right. Dummy can't even wear the right shirt. Expeditors wore black shirts, servers wore white with a tasteful tie issued by management. I'm not an expediter. What, what's that you're mumbling? I wasn't mumbling, I was just small and shrinking, and I was confused. I mean, people like me, (laughs) why is chef treating me like this? Muddled and minimized, I took a deep breath to pump myself up. I'm not an expediter. You are not an expediter. You finally got something right. You suck. The sweaty cooks on the line laughed out loud as one of them flipped a steak. That was kind of a good one. I appreciated the burn. If he hadn't added the you suck part, I might have even laughed with them. But right now, I was being laughed at. And I shrank a bit more. But why did my collar feel so tight? The white, double-breasted executive chef jacket was in stark contrast to his dark hair and stubble and his smug, reddened face. And the chef's face, that presented a new problem. Even though I was in the middle of the kitchen, I felt cornered. Two questions came to mind. What is the proper garnish for the pan-seared red snapper? And how am I going to not snap and punch this guy in the face? Instead of raising a fist, I brought up just a single finger. Uh, Not the one that I wanted to bring up, but, but the index finger, but more than a finger a line, his choice whether to cross. My heart beat with fury and the kitchen got hotter. My breath, a hundred yard dash fast. My eyes looked through and and I warned, don't do that. Don't do what? Don't do what? Don't mock me. I'm here as a favor. Least you could do is speak to me with a modicum of respect. I found my voice, silence. Except for the pots boiling and the meats searing. The line cooks exchanged glances with the saucier. Modercum? Modercum? This guy he wants a modercum of respect? <laughs> Chef looked around the kitchen, but nobody laughed. They tended to their work. And my shoulders widened. Moder, come. My spine lengthened. I didn't bother to correct his mispronunciation. Oh, Chef David. Poor, poor, stupid Chef D. You want a battle? I'm ready to play. I'll 86 ya, Chef Boyard D. On the playground, I was the king of capping contests. I grew up with two older brothers who constantly mocked me. They taught me both that I hate to be teased like that and how to recognize an insecurity and exploit it. (laughs) For the first time, I truly looked at Chef. And I watched him shrink a little bit. Chef D doesn't know words. Check. Receding hairline. Check. Bow-legged, check. Actively tries to cheat on his wife, check. Man boobs, oh, destruction! Locked and loaded, calm. I returned to normal size, both metaphorically and literally. Suddenly, we both knew I was no longer going to be bullied. And he stopped mocking me. He acted like a normal human being. I was generous. I didn't crush him verbally. The chatter became congenial, and by the end of the evening, even some stilted joking that included me with the kitchen. Fast forward two days later on the floor. My regular job as a server, but I wasn't really a server. I was known as Rick, the actor. Not to be confused with the other Rick, Rick, the English teacher. (laughs) I moved to Chicago three months earlier to act. Unfortunately, I wasn't acting. I was barely auditioning. Mostly, I waited tables. Mostly, I waited. My shift nearly over. Candace, the photographer, and Leanne, the interior designer, had already been cut. I had a passing thought about picking up a Perform Inc, the newspaper for all things theater, and picking out an audition or two, but that's stressful. And then I remembered the Bulls were playing my hometown Cleveland Cavaliers. Acting could wait, beers and basketball were calling me. The playoffs wait for no one. While contemplating my immediate future, I noticed a table without any water. It wasn't in my section, but I checked to see if they needed anything. Hi, have you all been taken care of? I said to the two suburbanite couples in the booth. No the woman in Naperville, chic took charge. <laughs> We've been waiting for more than 15 minutes, and no one has stopped. Now I know that more than 15 minutes probably means less than five, but I apologized and I took their beverage order and told them that I'd find their server. A quick stop at the hostess stand to talk to Vanessa, the model, to find out uh, who had the section with the Napervillians. Oh, um, that's Leanne's section. Well, Leanne said she was cut. Oh, yeah. So that's your section. (laughs) You're supposed to let me know before you... Never mind. Did you see anyone else? Uh, yes. Table 28? Didn't Monica tell you? Why would I ask if Monica would... You know what? Shaking my head, I walked away. I smoothed things over with the two irritated tables and even shared a few laughs. I mean, customers like me. As I finished going through my checks, Monica, the manager, called me into her office, her sad office, a once happy broom closet. (laughs) I squeezed in. Hey, what's up? When are you supposed to make first contact with a table? I knew exactly what she was referring to. Within two minutes, but they weren't in my section. It doesn't matter. We've talked about your attitude before. We have never talked about my attitude. I'm letting you go. What? I'm going to need your apron and your tie. (laughs) The demand came out of nowhere like a boot on a bug. But, but, my vision swirled and my breath locked up. I'd been working since I was 12. I don't get fired. I get asked back. What is happening? A million thoughts raced through my mind. Every injustice ever experienced avalanched onto me. The bully, Scott Stearns, not letting me out of the refrigerator box when I was 10. Mr. Wood's screaming voice yelling at me in the seventh grade. Don't break up with me, Vicki Miller. It's not fair. Fired. I didn't even know I cared about this job until this moment. (laughs) I had never felt so powerless or unliked. I felt like a, a swatted bug, stunned before the kill. Now I'm not a crier, only a few times since I was a kid. Once my grandma died and three times after my brother Kenny died, naked, without my apron and my tie my throat constricted making my breathing jagged a familiar quote danced in my mind how you do anything is how you do everything was chicago going to be my failing place do i suck like chef said rigid muscles and gelatin skeleton i awkwardly took my walk of shame through the kitchen to the exit leaving a job that I didn't even want until it didn't want me. I walked past the dessert station through a rising tide of tears. I saw Chef, that smug, punchable face, grinning like he thought he was 10 feet tall. Son of a bitch. He set me up. The tide receded. I didn't cry. I straightened up. I nodded a goodbye the way you would to a friend. And that night, I watched the Cleveland Cavaliers beat the Bulls. The next day, I started auditioning and before I ran out of restaurant money, I booked a tour. I've worked consistently since 1993 as an actor, but that restaurant, the Black Hawk Lodge closed a long, long time ago.
1: This story was curated by Vince Pagan and Amanda Delheimer, produced by Kit Ryan, and directed by Matt Ferries. The Second Story podcast is produced by Max Spitz. Second Story is located in the traditional homelands of the Council of the Three Fires, the Odawa, Ojibwe, and Potawatomi nations. Our programming is made possible by the MacArthur Fund for Arts and Culture at the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, the Paul M. Angel Family Foundation, the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, Illinois Arts Council Agency, Innovation 80, the Lupo Family, Eric Rothstein and Gina Wamek, Athene Karras and Thomas Applegate, James Lupo, Jessica Wetmore, Jeffrey and Joan Goldwater, Katie and Peter Hauser, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Max Spitz, and this This is the second Second
0: Story Podcast.